This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Three Lions podcast and in the run-up to this year's European Championships we're taking a look back at previous Euros that England have taken part in. My name's Russell Osborne and this time we're going back to 2012 and Poland and the Ukraine. As per normal, both TV channels went orchestral. This was the BBC's and this was ITV. Now initially Italy were tipped to be the hosts of this tournament but match fixing and fan violence put paid to that and the sharing of hosts had been successful in the past Holland and Belgium in 2000 and Austria and Switzerland in 2008 so UEFA decided to jointly host it again and awarded it to Poland and Ukraine. Warsaw hosted the opening ceremony and game, and that was between Poland and Greece. And then 23-year-old Robert Lewandowski got the opening goal before former winners Greece equalised. Kiev would host the final three weeks and 31 games later. England qualified for the tournament as winners of Group G, ahead of Montenegro, Switzerland, Wales and Bulgaria. Again, without losing a game. Goals were spread across the team in qualifying. Three each for Darren Bent, Jermaine Defoe, Wayne Rooney and Ashley Young. Now it was a tournament that was in the news way before it even got started. Front page news too, rather than just the back pages. Panorama even got involved. Racist violence is a widespread problem on the football terraces of Ukraine as it prepares to host the Euro 2012 Championships, along with Poland, in just a few weeks' time. The evidence was gathered by the BBC's Panorama. In one instance, supporters are seen assaulting a group of Asian fans who are supporting the same team. The former England captain, Sol Campbell, has warned fans not to travel to the tournament. Stay at home, watch it on TV. Don't even risk it. You can end up coming, you know, you're coming back in a coffin. The logo for the tournament was based on a traditional form of paper cutting practised in rural areas of Poland and Ukraine. Now the art form symbolises the nature of the rural areas in both countries. Basically it looked like the stem of a flower blooming up with a ball in the middle and a red and white leaf on the left and a blue and yellow leaf on the right. And it had the strap line, creating history together. It was also a tournament that regularly used the White Stripes Seven Nation Army track after each goal. It was once again a tournament that featured 16 teams and split into four groups. England were in Group D and manager Roy Hodgson who had only been appointed on the 1st of May, replacing Fabio Capello, meant he had five weeks to pick his squad. He chose three goalkeepers, Joe Hart, Robert Green and John Ruddy. Defenders Leighton Baines, Gary Cahill 
Ashley Cole, Glenn Johnson, Phil Jones, Jolian Lescott and John Terry. In midfield, Gareth Barry, Stuart Downing, Stephen Gerrard, Frank Lampard, James Milner, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, Scott Parker, Theo Walcott and Ashley Young. And up front, four strikers, Andy Carroll, Jermaine Defoe, Wayne Rooney and Danny Welbeck. He had on standby, though, Jack Butland, Phil Jagielka, Jordan Henderson, Adam Johnson and Daniel Sturridge. There was, however, no Rio Ferdinand, as it was generally thought Roy didn't want Rio and John Terry in the same squad, following the racism case that had involved Ferdinand's brother, Anton, and John Terry. Michael Carrick, Gareth Barry and Mika Richards were also omitted. Uh, Doing a bit of research, I read an old BBC website and it reminded me that the England band had their instruments confiscated half an hour before the start of England's first game against France. Apparently, it was the first time in 16 years they hadn't played when England played. Now let's bring in Glyn Davis, who, like me, went to this tournament. I'd like to welcome back to the Three Lions podcast, Glyn Davis, who we spoke to uh, in an episode last year because we spoke to him about his book about the game, The Lot. Hello, Glyn. Hello, Russell. How are you doing? Not too bad. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. The book, all still going good. I enjoyed reading it. Oh, great. Yeah, glad you enjoyed it. It, it actually managed to get to number one for a short period. So uh, ah. I'm very pleased with that. And uh, working on the, the next one now, actually, mate. So uh, should should be coming out soon. Oh, great. Well, I mean, I don't want, don't want to give too much away for people that may still haven't read it. But yeah, it ended in 2010 after the World Cup there on, uh, on I wouldn't say a cliffhanger, but there was certainly uh, some excitement at the end there. So yeah, re- really enjoyed that and, and recommend it. It's called About the Game, The Lot. And, and no doubt we'll speak again when the... Uh, when the when the follow up book comes out, but today we're we're talking Euro twenty twelve Poland and Ukraine in our series of uh, of European Championships England memories. So so thanks for joining us for that, and, and of course you went. Yeah, yeah, I was l- lucky to go out for the, for the whole tournament while England were there. It, there. There was obviously a lot of concern before going out there, even down to stuff like Sol Campbell saying, "Be careful, you'll probably come home in a." in a coffin so we, we were slightly nervous going out there but uh turned out to be an absolutely awesome tournament so uh I, i'm so glad i was one of the sort of two or three thousand that made it out there russell yeah well, this is one that i'm going to be able to uh to reminisce with you as well because i was there possibly in well certainly in the uh, the grounds that you were there as well but i do remember the the whole soul campbell um palaver really i don't think he'd done himself any favors by pre-tournament Given all of that, there was the uh, there was the famous sort of footage of the England fans with that coffin outside the uh, the pub on, on one of the squares, wasn't there? Yeah, the Golden Lion down in Donetsk. That's yeah. right. It was. Uh, I've spent a couple of uh, of hazy nights in there. It was just on on like one of the big squares. There was a big it's a big monument sort of just outside there, wasn't there? Yeah, just across the road. It was. Well, what was quite nice is it was a uh, rose garden out the front. So being England fans, that was quite a nice little 
touch and the, the pub actually felt quite english inside didn't it do you remember that's the, right yeah circular bar and stuff that's right and then it had the the upstairs area as well which sort of felt very well i say vip i mean there was one day i went there where they did have like a vip day there for england fans where i i met graham taylor chris kamara i think steve claridge was there as well yeah i i, I bumped into them as well I, ironically i actually went to school with Claridge, so uh, oh, okay yeah, I went over to chat with him and he was with Chris Kamara as well. So like like you, I had a good chat with them and it, it was great how they um, mixed with us all and you know, they were well happy to put you know t- time into chatting with the fans and everything. But really yeah. good evening that was. Yeah, and, and Graham Taylor was great. Um, despite the uh, all the, the harassment he got by the media back in in ninety two, he he was very open and uh, yeah, really enjoyed speaking to him. Ironically, we, we actually met him the following day because um, I don't know if you remember, but before the tournament, the uh, England fans did an event at Wembley where you could go along and there was like a panel where they told you all about Ukraine, what to expect. And everything. While I was there, I got chatting to a guy who turned out to be from, of all things, the BBC. Okay. Um, he, he got me involved in doing a blog for them. Uh, the, the, the ironic thing was that they translated all of it and it just went out in Ukrainian. So. I've got no idea what they uh, read <laughs> out to everyone. But as part of it, the uh, Radio 5 Live guys, you know, Nicky Campbell and that lot. Yes. They, um, they heard that we were out there. So they invited us down on the morning of the England-France game and ended up being on a panel that included Graham Taylor. So we did a bit of a Radio 5 Live phone-in and had a chat with him. And I, I have to admit, my my views of Graham changed considerably. He was such a gentleman, but also... He was so passionate about England and he gave me some insights into how the managers really feel. You, you sort of think that they're on a lot of money and that they're not necessarily as passionate as we are. But my goodness, he, he changed my opinion that day. He, he just got across how much he loved it and how, how hurt he was that he couldn't do anything to um, turn things around for us, you know, against the Norwegians and stuff. And uh, Unfortunately, we you know we didn't go through to that tournament that year. Yeah, no, you're right. I think you hit the nail on the head there when you said gentleman. Uh, yeah, it really was. Um, and, and you mentioned Nicky Campbell there on, on Five Live, and and just like you, I I had a chat with them, but it was on the uh, the next game when we de- went down to Kiev for the uh, the Sweden England game. I remember being on the radio Radio Five Live with Nicky Campbell then. But yeah, let, let's start with that that first game um, when we played France in in Donetsk. What a Donetsk is what is one of those places that I thought was was a really smart town, but now unfortunately it's it's just a no go place in Ukraine, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, I was very surprised when we went there. Obviously, we'd heard all the sort of scaremongering beforehand, and um, you know, it's so far over in in Ukraine, it's, it's right next door to Russia. But the locals were were wonderful; couldn't have been more friendly. And they even had a I don't know if you went in it, but I think there was a Beatles bar there and everything. Yeah. You know, but they were so welcoming to us. It's such a shame what's happened now. I, I think actually that the stadium even had tank shells fired against it when there was all the uprising recently. Do you remember how good the grounds were around it? It was so picturesque and yeah, it was so well organised there. Yeah, it was the the lawns all around it were were cut like really pristinely, and and they had that. It was called the Donbass Arena. And I think there was, did it say Donbass in, in really large 
letters or, or it said like Euro 2012 or, or something like that. And it, it, you could just, you could all have your photo taken against that and with the stadium behind. And, and the stadium was like a real new build and it almost looked like a, like a spaceship had landed really. And, but yeah, as you say, it's been shelled recently. I think the, the army have taken, taken it over as well. Yeah. I did read that they've actually relayed the turf in there. Okay. It's not going to be for Shakhtar to play there. That's for sure. They, they play, I think, up in um, Kharkiv now, don't they? Yes, um, which is a, so, a right trek. Yeah, this is more of a story towards the end of Ukraine. But when we were coming back down for the third game against the Ukrainians, we were on a coming back down on a train from Kharkiv down to Donetsk, and by bad luck, I was sat in a carriage that was filled up with loads of metalist Kharkiv fans, and I've never been so quiet in all my life. <laughs> um, I just pretended to be asleep for the whole train journey. Um, and, and hope they would ignore me, which they were did. They, they intimidating, were they? Yeah, it was. Uh, there was a lot of singing going on. Obviously, their language is so different to ours. You you have absolutely no idea what they're talking about or saying or anything. So, I uh, had my sunglasses on. Unfortunately, <laughs> no colours on show, and yeah. I just uh, pretended to sleep the whole journey, mate. Well, it was a um, it was a strange tournament for for moving around. Uh, the country for England because we started that first game against France in Donetsk then we played Sweden in Kiev which I remember was an overnight train journey because I remember going with a mate of mine Tom and uh, he'd never been on a uh, an overnight sleeper train before so it was an eye-opener for him and then after that we as you say we came back to play Ukraine again in Donetsk and then we went back, because we were through to the quarterfinals, we went back to Kiev to play Italy. So we, we had four games in two two stadiums, in two cities. So it wasn't really a uh, a place where we got to really know the the country, unless you were fortunate enough to go and see so many other games. Yeah, well, we did. We travelled by car, plane and train within the country. Um, we, we were originally planning on just driving everywhere, but after the first trip down from Kiev for that opening game, uh, where we drove a lot of the way. Uh, the roads were horrendous, mate. I've never seen roads so bad. We uh, managed to book ourselves on flights and trains for the rest of the, the time there. But um, we, we did put in a few trips while we were over there. Um, we went off to things like, there was a salt mine near near uh, Donetsk that we went and uh, visited that. And underground, it's got um, a football pitch. So we played a little game of football there. And um, believe it or not, Jeff Shreves from... He was working for Fox TV in the States at that time. He came along and sort of filmed us underground and singing the national anthem. So we did that. And then up near Kiev, we um, had a day trip to Chernobyl as well. Oh, um, you went on that? Oh, yeah. It was, it was um, quite eye-opening to be there and see how nature's just taken over the town of Pripyat near Kiev again. And they take you pretty close to the reactor as well. And then um, they start showing you these Geiger counters and, you know, each step you take closer, it sort of doubles the radiation reading. Oh, and uh, yes, yeah, it was. It was uh, I'm so glad I did it, but I, I won't be doing it twice. No. <laughs> I, I tell you what, I do remember there. They had they had a big lake, and one, one day we just walked down and spent the afternoon sunbathing around this lake in the middle of the city. It was so hot out there. It was hot, and it was surprisingly hot because I wasn't ready for that. I got really caught out as well. What happened is there's a friend of mine, Howard, he, uh, well, if you read the book, you'll read a lot about him. He, he turned up for the trip and he'd literally just been on a stag do. 
when we got there, he's like, look, I've brought the costumes from the stag do. I've got a Fred Flintstone and a Superman. Does anyone fancy being Superman? Because I'm going to be Fred Flintstone. So uh, foolishly, I put my hand up and said, yeah, I'll do it. Without realising that the suit, the chest was all lined with this sort of rubber foam. Right. And, uh, so I went to every game dressed as Superman. And I have never been so hot in my life. I, I, I felt like I was a turkey going in an oven at Christmas. I was oh. <laughs> hot. But the, the Ukrainians were amazing. They, they kept coming up to us and wanting photos with us. And in, in the end, Howard used to pick the girls up and put him over his shoulder like a sort of fireman's lift being a caveman. Yeah. And I used to do the sort of um, Superman and Lois Lane and pick them up by their legs, you know, with one arm behind their back and one up behind their knees for all these photos it was absolutely brilliant mate and uh, there were a few other fans turned up in fancy dress i remember one photo with a batman and a robin as well and of course all the guys the uh the three lions guys you know in the um st george uh suits of armor and stuff. yes yeah i remember being in kiev for the the sweden game and the guys all dressed in the uh in the three lions um like suits were weren't too far away from me but, but i must admit i don't remember seeing a superman or a fled, fred flintstone we, we were in the background melting away mate so uh, <laughs> you I, must have got um like tv crews as well must have tried to pick you up oh my god yeah we, we ended up on um quite a few interviews with lots of international crews there as well from obviously all over eastern europe and that but sort of norwegians even uh crews over from korea and stuff like that because obviously they like to ha- go in on the novelty sort of factor. Mm. Um, I don't know if you remember, um, England actually got fined for that game in, um, I think it was the one in Kiev, where they said there was fan encroachment on the pitch. And was I this the Sweden that, game? Yeah, that, that was actually one of those guys in the George Cross, um, out, you know, Knights of St. George outfits. He fell oh. off the wall, and that was classed as encroachment. I think we got fined £5,000 or something. Really? Because that was a um, it was a ground off from memory with a uh, a running track, wasn't it? Yeah, there was there was no way he wasn't going to do anything. He was just on a wall after celebrating the goal. Well, one of the three goals, and he just overbalanced. I think he even actually broke his his hand when he did it. No, uh, I, I know the guy's name, but I'm not going to mention it just in no. case he gets him into trouble. <laughs> I mean that that was a game, wasn't it? Um, where England went ahead through. Andy Carroll with a header and then there was an own goal like a, well, I think they went in at half time one nil up and then shortly after half time there was there was a real goal mouth scramble and I think it was uh, in the end accredited an own goal to uh, Glenn Johnson yeah. and then Sweden went ahead within I, I don't know three or four minutes and so all of a sudden after being one nil up um, at half time we were two one down and thinking ah. Oh, we're going out here because we'd only drawn against France in that first game. And I think Sweden were up for, they needed to win as well after they'd lost to Ukraine. But there was, there was some cracking goals that, that turned it our way. Walker, I think, had come on as a sub, um, had a deflected effort from long range. And then, and then I remember just going absolutely bonkers after seeing that the, uh, the ball had gone in the net for the third time for England. And I, I think it was only when I came out did I find out it was Danny Welbeck that had scored the winner. I yes. think that was a real football headache game, that one. Well, do, you, do you remember as well, when we, we played the Swedes as well, didn't we, in Germany? And that was 2-2 in the end. And that, the, the lead kept swapping around and things there as well. It's mm. 
But they, they brought on um, Ibrahimovic came on as well, didn't he? Towards yes. The We're a bit fearful when he came back on the pitch. Do you remember as well, uh, there were so many Swedes there because I think all of their games were based in Kiev, whereas, like you said, we were moving around all over the country. So there was only maybe three, 4,000 England there for the Kiev game. But I think the Swedes had something like 15,000, 20,000 there. That's right. I remember going to Kiev and, and after spending however long on a campsite in Donetsk, we, we turned up in Kiev to a, a, a really smart hostel. Um, and I remember walking past or, or on the way to the hostel, there was a river that goes through the centre of Kiev. And, and in the middle, there's an island and it was just full of yellow shirts and tents and it seemed like the the Swedes had just taken over this little island within the middle of the river but yeah they were everywhere and obviously stood out because they're all wearing these bright yellow shirts. They all came into the fan park as well like that didn't they there was pretty good atmosphere most of the time in the fan park and you know singing and stuff we we got chatting to a few in a restaurant one night as well and it ended up I'm still in touch with one of them now actually I'm it was it was a brilliant atmosphere, but obviously as England fans, we're not really used to being at a tournament and being outnumbered like that. No, they they really did come on mass, and and I don't know why for any reason that well, I guess they just travel in numbers generally. But that tournament, I do really remember that they did travel, as you say, on mass. There was there was loads of them, but it, it was all good atmosphere, all good natured. There was no no trouble from what I can remember. I think the the, um, the police come down the middle of everyone in the fan park at one point just to make sure things didn't get out of hand. But it, yeah, it was really good humoured, and you could all walk down to the ground together for the games. I, rem- I remember doing that and mill- milling around outside, chatting with the various obviously England fans, but also Swedish fans as well. That was another stadium um, that I was impressed with. That one in Kiev. Yeah, yeah, I must admit I was quite impressed with it. Although I, th- I was trying to remember how I got in it. And I, I seem to remember there was just these steps that went up in between, I don't know, a couple of buildings. And then it, you had to go through up these steps and then into the whole concourse of the ground. Yeah. Um, but, but you're right. It was a, a very good, a very decent stadium and, and the atmosphere, especially when you win in there, that was one of the best atmospheres. I think I can remember that England Sweden game. Yeah. And, and afterwards it was quite late. I think when it finished, wasn't it? Yeah, I think you're right. But, uh, we, we we still managed to get a beer in town. so um... <laughs> there's, there's always somewhere open wherever you go. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and then we went back to Donetsk and uh, place, places to, that we'd all been previously. As you say, that Beatles bar with the um, uh, the red telephone box on the outside. Do you remember that one? Yes, yes, I do, yeah. Yeah. And, and we played the hosts there, Ukraine, and because it was a joint tournament um, between Poland and Ukraine, so there were two two hosts. We played the Ukraine, and I seem to remember all the hype before saying that Ukraine were really up for it and they were going to give us a game. Uh, and from memory, they did give us a game to, uh, to a certain extent, but it was Rooney that got the only goal as a header pretty much on the line. But Ukraine did score, but it was disallowed. It crossed the line. I don't know if you remember, but John Terry hooked it. It was in the air and hooked it away from the line. But TV replays showed that it did go over the line, but gave it as a no goal because the uh, the fella had been offside in the build-up, I think. I remember um, our hearts sinking, thinking it was thin. But um, 
And they, they uh, towards the end of the game, they were coming at us quite a lot. I, I didn't think we were going to hold on at one point in time. And of course, Shevchenko coming on for them as well. Um, oh, yeah. He didn't start the game, did he? He, he came on a second half substitute. Um, and I, I remember they the, that kind of lifted their crowd even even higher. I mean, it was pretty loud atmosphere in the stadium that night. But he took it up a few decibels further. Because uh, he's a real hero there, wasn't he? Oh, my God, yeah. Um, I, I do remember have, having won. We were wondering what it was going to be like outside because um, I, I didn't go to the previous game against Ukraine in Dnipro, but um, some of my mates were there and they said it was very hostile outside. We, we weren't sure what it was going to be like, you know, afterwards down in Donetsk, but it was actually fine walking around. You know, there, there was no animosity or anything. So the, the, the tournament was brilliant all over, I think, actually. Friendships and the, the, the way people were. Yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it. It was a, uh, yeah, really good. It seemed to be organised really well. Um, and, and, yeah, I do remember some of the, the fan parks, especially the one in Donetsk. I remember that one there, or there was a, or there's certainly a big screen in the, the campsite that I was staying at. I don't know if I'm getting confused with the campsite or whether I'm getting confused with the, the fan park there. But yeah, it was it was a well-organised tournament. I don't know what it was like over in Poland, though, whether there was any sort of differences over there, however fans may have found the organisation over there. You know, I, nev- I never ventured over there. We had, a, we had a flight ticket booked there for after the um, Italy game. We worked out the, the cheapest way to get to Warsaw if we got through was to fly home and back out again. Oh. But, uh, unfortunately, I never got to use that ticket. So would that have been the semi-final, would have been in Warsaw? Yeah, that's right, yeah. We just looked into it all, obviously, before the game when we played the Italians. Classic England, we um, we managed to uh, get through it without losing, but then it went down to the dreaded penalties. This is right, This is because I went home after the Ukraine game, uh, so I didn't actually go to the, the quarter-final. So you, you may need to enlighten me. Uh, what it what it was like? Obviously, I, I know the feeling it must have been like. But um, you went back to Kiev for that. Yeah, so I mean, it was good because obviously you had the the familiarity of knowing where the ground was and everything like that. And the, the fan park in Kiev was that massive long um, street, as you said, with the the giant screen TVs and everything. Um, I remember sort of having a few beers in there, but then walking down to the ground and that sort of air of anticipation and um, Sort of, we'd, we'd got Rooney back because he'd been suspended, I think, for the first game. He'd come back, and uh, you know we were feeling positive having him there. But also, what what I quite liked about England for this tournament is we had quite a diverse range of, of attackers playing. So defenders couldn't really be used to what they were going to have coming at them, whether it was you know Carroll or Rooney or you know if Walcott broke through or the way Welbeck played. They, they're all quite different players and I, I was feeling quite excited about it all but then obviously we, we got all the way through to full time and then um, through extra time with neither side scoring and then went through to the penalties and I think it was um, the, the two Ashleys in our team Cole and Young who who didn't manage to put their penalties away that's right yeah and uh, we got knocked out by Italy who eventually went through to the final so that was a game where where Pirlo was was on everyone's radar, wasn't it? And I think everyone was saying how old he was at the time, but he could still ping a pass and still play 
as as if he was ten years younger. I seem to remember. Yeah, the Italians are always so professional as well, aren't they? You know, mm. it's um, they've got they've got the flair, but they've got the the sort of discipline and always hard to break down. Yeah, gutting. <laughs> so it ended on penalties, as you say. So what was it? Yeah, straight back home after that. Yeah, so we'd we'd already booked the flights to come back after that game. You know, regardless. As I said, we weren't sure whether it was going to be staying on in Ukraine if we got through or, or having to go to um, to Warsaw for the game. So we'd, we'd already decided the best thing to do was come back to the UK and, and go back out if it was Warsaw. Or obviously, we'd have just been our ticket, our flight, and just stayed on in, in Ukraine had we have been there. The, the sad thing was, before we left straight from Heathrow, we arranged with the um, car park there that we could leave our car longer if we needed to. And they're uh, open to that, are they? That well, they were, and this guy was a very positive sort of football fan. Right. Um, but when he, he was actually on duty when we got back and he remembered us and of course he um pointed out that we were back earlier than we'd hoped to be. I, I forgot to tell you he was actually a Scottish guy. So oh. uh, he quite enjoyed the fact of us walking back in there to have to pick our car up. The joys of being a football fan, mate, eh? Yes, yeah, yeah, no, well, I mean, so, uh, yeah, we, we lost to Italy, who then went into the, as you say, the semi-finals, where they, they went to Warsaw, played Germany, beat Germany, um, where they met Spain in the final, um, and that's where Spain won, after they'd won the World Cup in 2010, hadn't they, in South Africa, and then they uh, they picked up another uh, tournament, actually, they, they won the Euros in 2008, didn't they? So this yeah. was their third tournament win in a row yeah the, the spanish were quite awesome at that time i was i actually had something quite miraculous happen to me i i came back from the tournament and um the place where i was working at that time was actually involved in the euros a little bit and um when i got back i had uh, an email that they gave me a ticket to go back to uh see the actual final all right i was lucky enough to fly back out and be, be in the stands for that we, we had uh, pre-match hospitality as well so uh, I remember walking around and seeing uh, Peter Schmeichel was in there going around signing autographs and stuff. And He yeah, must have been working for some telly, was he? I think so. Shall we also say I think he'd put on a little bit of weight since his <laughs> playing days. Yeah, he he was enjoying himself. He, whether he was there with TV or he was just there as a, a, a corporate hospitality person from um, the UEFA, I'm not sure. All of that took place next to the ground. There was a big car park and they, the whole um, top floor of it was put across to bars and restaurants and stuff. So we had a bit of that before the game. To me, there's nothing like being down behind the goal, mate. You know, in, in there where all the proper atmosphere is rather than yeah. those posh seats at the side. So you, you've officially had prawn sandwiches then, have you? I have, I have. They, they were very nice. I have. <laughs> But um, very nice on the pocket when you haven't got to pay for it. But um, I'd I'd still prefer to have a pie and a pint and be down behind the goal, Russell. Yeah, no proper proper football style. Yes, uh, but uh, I didn't realise you actually went back to the final. So, uh, oh yeah, nice one. No, all all good memories though. Bar the uh, bar the going out in the the quarterfinals though. Yeah, that that's that's really the only sort of painful part of it. I think, other than that. The hospitality, the the way they ran the, the stadiums, the football itself. I mean, it, even if we go back to that first game, I mean, the, the French were coming at us quite a lot. They had a lot more possession than we do, which is unusual in England games. 
But, you know, I, I thought we, we played well. Stevie Gerrard was very good. He set up a couple of goals during the tournament, didn't he? As, yeah. Um, I think he was our captain, wasn't he? So, um, yeah, happy memories, sir. Happy memories. I just mm. thoroughly enjoyed it. It was absolutely brilliant. It, it was, uh, you know, there was probably 10 of us out there all together and we just had such a wonderful time. Yeah. I'll tell you the thing that got me the most about Ukraine is if you ever went into a restaurant to order food, it took for forever. <clears throat> and I, I remember we, on the day we came back, I think it was from Chernobyl, the guide took us into this restaurant. We were all going to have pizza in there. And we, we sat down in this pizza restaurant and we placed our orders. And then in walked these Swedish guys, about another five or six of them. And, of course, they ordered their pizzas. And our pizza was getting so We'd get one serve, then they'd get one serve, and we'd get one serve. It was like a pizza tennis match. And it turned out this restaurant, although it was a pizza restaurant, it only had one pizza oven. And they didn't want to offend anyone, so they decided they had to serve the fans in turn so that no one would get upset or anything. I guess it's a, a way of getting around it. It's just unfortunate if you're the last one to get your pizza. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> and to be honest, mate, it didn't taste very nice anyway. <laughs> or was it cold? Yeah, cold, <laughs> chewy. and there, there was some great stuff to do in Ukraine as well. Though. I, I went off to see um, the old Dynamo Kiev Stadium. You could just Not walk in and walk around. Where you had to go to pick up the tickets for the the game against the Italians mm. walk into um, and around the stadium as well. And that, that's quite nice. I love going into an empty stadium and, you know, you, for some reason, a, an empty stadium still has this wonderful soul and spirit about it. And yeah. You can kind of, although it's a hundred percent quiet, it's almost like you can hear the crowd singing and the sort of memories of people stood there watching classic games in the past and everything. But I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Cool. No, Thank you stuff. so much for giving me the chance to talk about it, actually, mate. No, I really appreciate your time tonight. It's my Glenn. pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me, Russell. Thank you for listening. I hope it's been of interest and taken you back to that tournament once again. Maybe not the best from England's perspective. Perhaps this year will be the one to remember. Once again, thanks to Glyn Davis. As we mentioned at the beginning of the chat, he has written a book on his England travels. Just search About the Game, The Lot, and I'm sure you should come across it. Don't forget, all the previous Euro lookbacks are available. Just search your podcast provider. Or take a look at threelionspodcast.com. And I'd be grateful if you could leave a positive review on the likes of iTunes or Spotify. Just means that the podcast gets a little more exposure and more people have that opportunity to find it. So until the next time, cheers. <laughs>